We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, here we go. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian back. He's back today, which is fantastic. Uh, Brian Driscoll is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And uh, first and foremost, I'm going to get it out there. Happy Veterans Day to all of the veterans out there. We want to make sure that we, uh, you know, Put that out right up front. Uh, I have learned day. over the last seven months that we have a lot of veterans. Yeah, just in awesome. our audience, which I love. And then obviously yes. current military. But yes, love no it. question, no question. So shout out to everybody out there on Veterans Day. Really appreciate you guys stopping by to hang with us, and of course for everything that you do for us uh, that I am personally not willing to do myself. Um, so I much much appreciated. So we are going to talk some Notre Dame football today, of course, and it is our prediction show. It's Thursday. We're right up against game day. This is our prediction show. And we always kind of we always start our prediction show with what's at stake. You know, what does this game mean to the big picture for Notre Dame? What does it mean for the big picture in college football? Uh, because Notre Dame is a top 10 team uh, in the college football playoff. They're a top seven team, obviously in the other polls, which now matter not at all. Uh, now that the CFP has their playoff rankings out there. So what does this mean for Notre Dame, this game right here with three games to play, Brian, this is by far the most important game. Now, of course your next game is your most important. If we want to, well, no, I mean, you're, 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 no, you're absolutely right because this this is is the last good team you're going to play. Correct. And, and that's the point. I mean, I, I think Stanford is just really falling apart. They weren't very good when Tanner McKee was their quarterback. They're way, way worse without him. And they're 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 a mess. I mean, so so you know, you could go on the road. It's gonna be a lot like beating Stanford in 2019. A four right. and eight team that stunk. You know, Stanford's three and six right now. They play at Oregon State this weekend, home against Cal. Who knows if that game even gets played with all the craziness going out, out, out there out in California. You know, so so they're maybe at best, maybe at best five and six, right? But most likely a four and seven, four and six kind right. of team. 
I don't care what you do to them. You could beat them by 50, and it's going to be like, yeah, okay, well, that's what Utah did to them, right? Right. Georgia Tech's the same deal. Georgia Tech's three and six. They play Boston College this weekend before they play Notre Dame. You know, are they going to be able to beat? They're at home, you know, but what's, you know, if, it, are they, if they beat BC, they're four and six. Okay, great. If they lose to BC, they're three and seven. And then they play right. after they play Notre Dame, right? So, you know, I mean, I think the only thing you can do the final two weekends is get style points, right? So, hey, you know what? Notre Dame's got to blow Georgia Tech out and beat Georgia Tech more convincingly than Georgia beats them, right? Something sure. like that, right? Uh, that's the only thing you can gain in the final two weekends. This is the last chance you have to beat a team that's got a good record and has some sort of reputation. Now, Virginia obviously is not a top 25 team. And if Notre Dame beats them, they won't end up in the top 25. But there's a chance they could go out the last two weeks and maybe pull up an upset against Pitt, maybe beat Virginia Tech at home, and all of a sudden they do jump into the top 25. So it's the only team left on your schedule that has any kind of chance at being a top 25 team. And it's an outside and, chance if Notre Dame beats them the way they should beat them, to right. be honest with you. They'd have to beat Pitt convincingly and Virginia yeah. Tech convincingly. I don't see it happening because when the committee looks at Virginia Tech or Virginia, and this is exactly what you and I are going to discuss during the show is, in all reality, they've played three good teams all year, and they lost all three of them. Right. I mean, they, they've literally played four teams of the winning record this year. They're one in three in those games, and the team that they beat missed a field goal at the end of the game to to that would have beat them. And that's Miami, right? And so they've they've lost to a North Carolina who's five and four by twenty. They lost to Wake Forest by twenty. They're obviously a ranked team. They lost to BYU by seventeen on the road. This is not a great Virginia team, but it's a good. It's a quality team with a six and three record. This is your chance to, if you can pound them the way BYU and Wake Forest and North Carolina did, which you should, then this is a chance for you to really make a splash with the committee. That's what's yes. at stake this week. And obviously, the big picture, if you lose, you know, you're out and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's a different, I mean, that's true of every week. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. more about what, how does a Notre Dame win impact this thing? And and to me, that's the deal is you've got to win, but you got to look good winning. And that doesn't necessarily, Vince, mean a 30, 40 point win. It just means it can be a 10 point win, a 17 point win, whatever. But it's just got to be very clear when yeah. the committee watches the game and they do the whole game control nonsense right. that you were the better team from start to finish. That's got to be the key in this game. Because, because look, that's something that matters to this committee because more than it should. Right, and because look at what they did with Michigan and Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Bottom line right there. Literally, it seems to me like the committee is giving Michigan more credit for that game than they're giving Michigan State. I completely agree with you. Based on their comments. And the the president's comment, the athletic director at Iowa, his comment this week when he talked about – because they asked him about that. They had about 30 seconds with the guy, and they asked him about the Michigan-Michigan State. How do you rank Michigan higher than Michigan State when they – you know, the head-to-head did not make Mm -hmm. it that way. And he's like, well, we had a discussion last week when Michigan State beat Michigan, and there was part of the room that wanted to put Michigan above Michigan State because they're the more complete team when you look at all the numbers, blah, 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 Everyone blah, Everyone blah, blah. in that room should have been kicked off the committee right. that said right. that. Yeah, I agree. Because I agree. what are we playing the games for at this right. point in time? And, and I don't want to get right. too much into the committee thing. I know you guys talked a lot about that sure. again yesterday. I want to focus on this match. But I'm just but saying it matters. That's part of the what's yes. at stake yes, is absolutely. the game control because this – committee and i've been a big defender of the committee 
from the beginning. You know this. But this yeah. version of it, which has got a lot of turnover this year, Man. is just saying some really dumb things. I mean, it, it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, I've I've hammered the S&P, SP+, whatever that dumb formula is that, that, that Bill Connolly has at ESPN. And, you know, my whole point is sometimes when the formula kicks out something really stupid over and over again, it's time for you to realize that your man-made formula needs to change. Right. And and sometimes when I look think of the committee, it's kind of like, OK, yeah, we've made some changes and the people that we have on the committee now just aren't qualified to be on the committee. And they need to make a serious change this offseason, because if there's people advocating for Michigan State to be behind Michigan, the, the two, three days after Michigan just lost to Michigan State, choked away a 16 point. Yeah second half lead and you're going to tell me that the more complete teams they deserve to be in at that point in time you're just playing politics exactly. or you don't know what you're doing and either one is bad and they need to they need to say okay we need to, we if we're going to have any integrity as an institution then then we need because what happens is is once that once that toxic culture of how you're viewed sinks in it's hard to get rid of it and yeah. you have to create you have to say look this isn't right we're going to fix this because you know we 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 have to care about what our reputation right and i mean not not i mean you're always gonna have people hammering you but like the legitimate reputation of is this a serious a body to be taken seriously and right now it's hard to do that but it is the governing body of of who determines who's going to play the playoff and what is very clear that has to be very clear to Brian Kelly and his staff is control of the game is important yes exactly and 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 being a complete team is important and Notre Dame needs to leave that fresh view on their minds of, mm-hmm. hey, look what we're doing. You know, we dominated Navy. You know, we, we're we're going to dominate. We're going to dominate Virginia. It, it, that whole game control thing is Notre Dame doesn't grade out real high on game control. And you look at the Florida State, look at Toledo, look at Wisconsin, sure. you look at Virginia Tech. There's been a lot of games where Notre Dame hasn't been in control of the game. And, I mean, they trailed Virginia Tech more than they led against Virginia Tech. These next three games, you know, and you look at the Navy game, have got to be games where their game control ranking goes up because of how they do it. And so you talk about it's not just about winning anymore. It's about how you win if if your goal is the college football playoff. Notre Dame football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet to find Irish tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need for all of your go-to Irish tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their Notre Dame tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The Irish hit the road for the first time in a month as they head to Charlottesville, Virginia to take on the University of Virginia. Can the Irish withstand the passing attack of the Cavaliers? Find out in person now with TickPick. Just visit TickPick.com slash Irish today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com slash Irish today to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Completely agree. So that's what's at stake. Uh, well, did, did we talk specifically about what's at stake for Notre Dame as far as the college football playoff? They win this game. They have an opportunity, obviously. I mean, depending on what happens above them, to move up, like that kind of a thing. Well, that's kind of um, that's kind of what that's why I'm saying, like they need yeah. to play the way they need to right. play because okay. that's the only thing they control. They can't control exactly. who loses that's in the front key. of them and all that that's other the stuff. Key. What you can control is going out there and dominating a team that's that's you know good in some areas, but a team that you should you should whoop convincingly, in my opinion. Yes, if, if you're absolutely. if you're the team that that everyone keeps telling me this team is. And Correct. what I think this team can be, right? right. Uh, if this is a well-coached team, then this is a team that should go out there and, and smack Virginia because that's what the three well-coached teams they've played so far have done, right? I mean, that, that's the point. Yeah. Is they've played three. Miami's got a winning record. Miami's not a well-coached team. They're not. I think North Carolina in some areas is, and I think that BYU definitely is, and I think that Wake Forest definitely is. Well, those teams beat Virginia convincingly. All three of them, and yeah. Notre Dame needs to do the same thing. Okay, so let's jump into our matchups, Brian. Uh, matchups to watch on offense and defense. You want to go O or D first? Let's start with the Notre Dame defense because ultimately right. that's the matchup that matters. Oh, I mean, that, you're look, not kidding. That's yeah, that's <laughs> the matchup. I mean, because the yeah. matchup advantages that Notre Dame has against the Virginia defense is like okay, pick a pick another spot. Pick a, like yeah, I know ten, it was kind ten of out of the eleven spots. You know it's what like, I mean? Like uh, there's really one. only one matchup that has me concerned, and we'll get into right. that. So let's focus on the defensive one first. Okay, sounds good. So uh, I'll 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 lead off. Uh, my first defensive matchup, it it's Brennan Armstrong versus the front for Notre Dame, and 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 here's why specifically. Uh, we talked yesterday uh, with with Sean Davis, and he's like the NASCAR front. I want to see the NASCAR front, you know, from from Notre Dame. From, speaking about the defensive line, you know, pin your ears back, go get them, kind of thing. And I tend to agree with him. I I like that thought process, and moreover, I want them to hit him. I want him to make mm-hmm. him uncomfortable. Okay, I look. I'm not. I am not uh, advocating that they hurt him or anything along those lines. Okay, but he. He's not going to be 100% if he plays, okay? It's a rib injury. Those hurt, okay? They hurt when you breathe at times, right? So mm-hmm. make him uncomfortable, you know? If he's going to scramble a little bit, you know, if he gets that first down, a little extra, not extra, but, like, make mm-hmm. sure he feels that he got out of the pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see the front make Brennan Armstrong uncomfortable because I think that could go a long way to Notre Dame doing what they want to do defensively against Virginia because if they knock them out, obviously that is an even bigger deal if they have to put in their backup because there's a big drop-off at that point. But if they can just make him not as effective as he normally is, I mean, he accounts for 420 yards a game by himself, 
Mm-hmm. So if you can just make him less effective, you've done your job, in my opinion. So if the front can be effective against Brennan Armstrong, I think they have a very good day. I I think they need to just play the front four they've been playing and just turn them loose. I, I right. think when they've turned their like I don't think they need to like go to a smaller, faster D line. You know they need to put Jordan Patejo on the opposite side. I've I always like that as a as a change up. It's a mix up, sure. But when they turn the front four loose, the, the only time Notre Dame struggled to get pass rush this year is when they go with a three man front. That that's it, you know. And right as long as you go to four man front and turn Isaiah Foskey loose, like look, I'm sorry. You know, I love Coach Freeman, but if this is a game where he's got Isaiah Foskey dropping in a coverage of punch, that's a that's a mistake. <clears throat> I just I believe it is. You've got to turn him loose and let right. him go. And you know, that's kind of one of my matchups that I have is not, you know, not the quarterback versus the front. It's the two tackles against the front because they're not good. I mean, they're not real athletic. The one kid's like six ten. You know, he struggles to play with the kind of pad level and leverage that you need to play with because he's 6'10". You know, they they abused him in 2019. He's been susceptible to giving up hits and sacks this year. <clears throat> they've got to control that matchup. The, and they've had they've used two different right tackles this year, and um, they've got to dominate that matchup as well. Both of those guys have struggled this year. I'm sorry, they've used two different left tackles. Swoboda's the right tackle like he was two years ago. But they've used two different left tackles this year, and none, neither of them have played well. They've got to put pressure on the quarterback. The, the one thing, and, and it's not so much about hitting Brennan Armstrong, although let me tell you, I was a quarterback that did not like wearing rib pads. I didn't like how they felt. I felt they slowed me down. I just I, I felt weird throwing. So I was one of those idiots that didn't wear them. And so I've had my fair share of rib injuries. Yeah, I mean, it's just every time you inhale, it's like, ooh, yeah, Ooh, I mean, you just you can't. It, it, trust me, you get out in the game trying to play, and your adrenaline is only going to go so far. That's one of those injuries that your adrenaline doesn't do a whole lot for because right. you can't breathe. You know, so so I think that I think the matchup for the defensive line is is also going to be important from the standpoint of they've got to shut down the run. It's not just about the quarterback; they've got to shut down the run because if you're Virginia and you're smart and you want to protect your quarterback, the first thing that you're going to try to do come out in the game is throw Notre Dame off. Mm-hmm. Because Notre Dame's going to be pinning the ears back thinking, stop the pass, stop the pass, stop the pass, right? So what you want to try to do is say, hey, you can't just pin your ears back and come after our quarterback, okay? I think they're going to come out and try to run the ball. Notre Dame's got to say right away, nope, not happening. Right. Sorry, fellas, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. And and so to me, that's why that that front four matchup is important. My first matchup, Vince, was Marcus Freeman against Robert Denae. And, and that's the big thing for me. Look, the, the, this Virginia team is so incredibly well-schemed on offense. I love what they do because they're not a super talented team. They're incredibly well-schemed. I mean, just you never know where certain guys are going to line up. They're going to move guys around. They're great at getting isolations. They do, as I broke down their film, I was like, good God, if Notre Dame ran this offense, they'd be scoring 50 points a game. Because they do so many, like, they'll stack, they'll do post-snap switches, they get guys in crosses. Mm-hmm. They're great about using k Thompson, which is my number two matchup, so I'm going to put these together, against the linebackers and safeties. They're great about getting him lined up and, and finding out how can we use formations and motions and shifts to make sure that he's lined up on a safety or a linebacker, and then we're going to make that guy chase him. I mean, they're so good at that. And so, I mean, that's what an offensive coordinator is supposed to be about. It's like, take your best players, 
develop, you know, find ways to get them in matchups that work for you. Uh, make this defense chase and run and and have to guess. Okay, hey, this guy went here, that guy went there. We're doing high lows, we're doing crosses, we're doing meshes, right. we're doing all these kind of things. Make them have to communicate. The more they communicate. And the more that they have to talk and switch and do all that stuff, the more prone they are to make a mistake. And and that's the things that you got to do. And and I love that. Whereas Notre Dame just kind of lines up in their sets and just run their routes. You know, these guys make you think, make you communicate, make you make you talk. Notre Dame's probably not going to have Kyle Hamilton on Saturday, based on what Brian Kelly said today. He has not been medically cleared yet, which makes me think he hasn't practiced yet, which makes right. me think he's not going to play Saturday. Right. So they're going to have to be on top of their game. And so it's going to be up to Marcus Freeman to make sure his game plan is aggressive, but also one that protects his vulnerable areas because Robert and a is going to try to expose them. And that's going to be a big key to this game. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it, it's funny because you, you look at the guys that, you know, uh, on the, on the stat sheet, right. For Virginia and, you know, you look at some of these names and, and you're, you're seeing a ton of catches for a lot of these guys. They spread the ball around very, very effectively. And it's guys that you've never heard of because they're like, to your point, Notre Dame's going to out, you know, they've got better players. Notre Dame has better players, but Virginia, the scheme gets guys open and then those guys do what they need to do. It's not a one, you know, one trick pony as far as who is the main receiver and all that. They spread it around, and if you're mm-hmm. going to take away one area, they're going to abuse you in another area. So it's not just a Cam Hart that needs to be on his you know, P's and Q's. It's not just yeah. one guy that they have to identify every time out of the huddle. All of those guys, and Ramon Henderson most likely included, they've got to have a good game to, uh, on Saturday. They have to. You know, Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracey, Ramon Henderson, Cam Hart – you know, uh, both safeties, they have to play well because they're going to, you know, they're going to scheme their way away from Notre Dame's strength. They're going to pick on guys. They're going to pick on the perceived weaknesses. So Notre Dame needs to come to play. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is going to be big time on Marcus Freeman to make sure that he's not exposing uh, his perceived weaknesses on defense to, you know, to Virginia. Yeah, I'm going to push back on one thing you said, Vince, okay. about their talent. I don't think Notre Dame necessarily has better players at every spot when it comes to the defense. Against, I think, I think this is a Virginia team that is not like super talented. Like none of their receivers are David Bell. None of their receivers are Drake London. But they're good. They're good. And the thing is, they have a lot of good players. There's no great players. Like I, I, you know, I look at Dontavian Wicks, and I don't see a guy that's an NFL player, like first round pick, but I see a good football player that's put up really good numbers. I mean, he's had, uh, looking at his numbers, five 100 plus yard games this season and another with 94. Their tight end is a really good player, Jelani Woods. You know, he's yep. a big kid. He's six seven. He's a good football player, right? That's a that's matchup problem. And that's a matchup problem, a six seven tight end against Notre Dame six foot, six foot one linebackers. Now, that's a matchup problem. I mean, so there are matchup problems that Virginia can give, which we haven't seen a lot. Because here's the difference between this group and some past groups. There's nobody at Virginia that I think is as individually good as D- Drake London, Josh Downs, or David Bell. But what I would say is their number two, three, and four are better than USC's two, three, and four. Their two, three, and four are better than North Carolina's two, three, and four. Exactly. Their two, three, and four are better than 
well, Purdue had a sim, you know had a similarly good deal with their tight end, and Notre Dame had a great game plan against them. But that Purdue offense isn't like the one that we've seen the last couple weeks from them, and and so to me, uh, that's a concern because again, Notre Dame's not going to have probably Kyle Hamilton, and they can avoid Cam Hart, and they're going to pick on that. That was my other matchup. You know, I mean, we're kind of getting all these matchups into one theme. Really, it's a little different this week. You know, but Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey against Dontavian Wicks. You know, it's it's Houston Griffith against Billy Kemp and and right. Jelani Woods and the Notre Dame linebackers against Billy Kemp and Jelani Woods. And there's some concerning matchups in this game, which makes it even more important that Marcus Freeman, number one, mix up his looks, but turn the pressure up. Because what you can't do, Vince, and you know this, you can't just line up and say, We're gonna we're gonna attack you from and be super aggressive and play cover one. Because all the post-snap switching and all the different things they do, they're going to catch you. And when they catch you in one of those plays, it's going to be a gone. That doesn't mean you can't do those things. It just means you can't only do those things. Right. Absolutely. We talked about that yesterday. Notre Dame's defense is going to have to take some chances, I think. They're going to have to take some chances. And that's where the defense has to count on the offense to pick them up Mm -hmm. in case some of those chances don't work. Right. Which they won't. And that's just who – look, Virginia's going to score. Exactly. Yes. They're going to score some. It's just about, can you, can you limit those times? And can you like, to your point, can you, can you make, take some chances? Right. When you look at the games where Virginia tech has either lost or played competitively, Brendan Armstrong's turned the ball over in each one of those games. Right. He's he's shown at least one interception and every one of their losses. He threw two against BYU. One of them was bad. I, I, I don't know if it was a pick six, but they ran it back a long way. I can't remember if he took it back to the house or not. Uh, you know, he had he had a couple turnovers against Louisville. They only beat Louisville by one. Louisville's yeah. not very good. He will make mistakes because if you can kind of come up and show a pressure and then smoke, right? So or yeah. or play off and then he's thinking he's going to throw a quick slant. And all of a sudden, right at snap, Cam Hart jumps the heck out of that route. Something right. like that, you know. Right. Things like that. They're, they're, you're going to do well. But the other thing too is you're in a bit of a predicament because you're you're not going to want to leave Clarence Lewis on an island. So you're going to want to help him with your safety, but then that puts your linebackers and your rovers and matchups against Billy Kemp right. and the tight ends. And so they're just without Kyle Hamilton, it just puts you in a really tough spot. Agreed. And, and, and that's what, what makes this a challenge. And so those are the, you know, Katoan Thompson against the linebackers and the safeties is a matchup that concerns me. Dontavian Wicks against Clarence Lewis and, and Tariq Gracie is a, a, a matchup that concerns me. That's why Marcus Freeman has to be on point, and that's why the defensive line has to be on point. And there's two players specifically that in this game have to bring it. This is a money game for Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adamiola. It is. This is a spotlight game. It's a it's a it's a big game. It's your team it needs it. It's a good team. It's a great quarterback. It's an explosive offense. You've got to show those two guys got to show that hey, we can dominate a game. We can take a game over. We can we can neutralize what this team does because of how we play. We can neutralize the pass game because we dominated the point of attack. I don't care how good your quarterback is. If he's having to hit the top of his drop and move away from me, he's not going to be as effective. And so to me, that matchup, Notre Dame has an even bigger advantage there than what Virginia has on the perimeter, in my opinion. And so that that they've got to win. That's how you win these games, right? Yeah. Is is your matchup advantages play better than the areas where the other team has a matchup advantage? Sure. I I kind of gave away my my next matchup as I was talking earlier, but I, I had uh, 
Lewis and Bracey versus the depth um, of this wide receiving core. And, and, and I, and I think it's going to be very, very important how they play in this game. I, I look, we we've seen in the past that teams will pick on Clarence Lewis, yeah. right? They're going to pick on him again. Right. And so he's going to have to step up. And I do think he has played better the last couple of games. Uh, but I also think that he's going to have an opportunity to prove some people wrong or prove them right in this game. I, I think he's going to get picked on. And so that, that's a matchup that I'm going to be paying really close attention to uh, in this in this game. Absolutely. Yeah, Dontavian Wicks and Rayshon Henry are going to be used to go after him. Absolutely. And Bracey. I mean, Bracey Bracey because they're going to use their bigger receivers because that's what worked for them in 2019 is Tariq was in great position against their mm-hmm. receivers back then, but he just they just outplayed him for the ball. I mean, they just they were yeah. too they were too big. I mean, I. I remember watching that and being like, you know, goodness gracious, like they had Hasis Dubois uh, and Joe Reed, just bigger guys, and they were just they were just out they were out muscling them for the ball. That, right, th- they're going to do that again. They have guys to do that again. They're going to do it, and Notre Dame's guys are going to have to make some plays. That's going to be the key. Absolutely. Yep. No question about it. What, what's your next uh, your next matchup? Well, it's offensively. It's just it's the offensive nope. line against Mandy Alonzo. I mean, we've I've already kind of gone into all four of my matchups for the defense. Okay, I mean, all right. we they all kind of go into one. You know, for me, no, it's that's a, fair. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, it's about moving over to the offense and and looking at that matchup. Well, I'll give my last one defensively. Then um, I I actually had the the safeties versus Jelani Woods uh, mm-hmm. just because I think he is a matchup problem. Uh, mm-hmm. for Notre Dame, especially if Kyle Hamilton's not going to play. Right. And and you mentioned him against the linebackers. Of course, the linebackers are going to be involved in defending you know, a tight end. Uh, I put safeties just because the absence of Kyle Hamilton yeah. is so huge. Well, uh, it's not going to just be the linebackers. Yeah. And, and the other right. thing, too, is because they because of the presence of Ketuan Thompson, who's basically like a second tight end and how they use him. You know, He's like a big receiver slash hybrid tight end. He's like kind of like they use him how Notre Dame should have used Tommy Tremble, right? right? That then puts you in an even bigger stress when it comes to dealing with Jelani Woods because you got two big six four guys that can play the hashes right. and, and and make you chase. And it's a it's a it's a it's yeah it's a challenge. Yes, no, it's question. a challenge for sure. So let's go to the offensive side of the ball uh, for Notre Dame, and you like you said, you could just kind of pick many different yeah. you know matchups here, and they're going to favor Notre Dame. Uh, you said an offensive line versus Mandy Alonzo okay. is my one concerning troubling matchup because he's okay. a big, strong kid. Uh, he's a good football player. And when he's playing, when, when they're using him to really attack a line, he can do damage. And he's a okay. guy that can blow linemen up. He's a good kid. He's cause he's real short yeah. and he's real stout and he can get up underneath your pads. And what's the one thing Notre Dame's offensive linemen have struggled with all season, people getting up underneath their pads and driving them back, especially the right side of the line. And so that's a big concern for me. Notre Dame's going to try to establish a run game and Mandy Alonso getting up underneath the pass because you say, well, you know, look, well, he didn't he didn't have success against BYU. That's because BYU's linemen are well coached and play hard, right? You know, like right. I don't mean play hard. That, that's not mm-hmm. the that's not the phrase that I meant. I didn't make play hard because I'm not questioning the the desire of the right. Notre Dame offensive linemen. They they're taught to play physical football. Sure, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, uh, so so that's a that. This group is not taught to play that way. They're taught to catch. 
well, this is the kind of kid that if you try to catch, he's going to get up in your chest and knock you off the ball. So they're going to have to have a, you know, a game plan for him, you know, whether it's running away from him, because he's not really athletic enough, in my opinion, to chase a bunch from the back. He's more of a three, four big, you know, 280 plus stuffing and type of end be more of a, he'd be more of a three technique at Notre Dame. You know, he'd, he'd be doing more of Jason Adam. He'd be, he probably would be playing nose in the Notre Dame defense. Sure. Just the way that it's, it's right. you know, so he's that kind of tough kid. So to me, that's the one matchup where he could blow everything up in the run game and all of a sudden you're having a hard time. And really just the whole D-line because they're big. We talked about this on Tuesday. Right. They are a big group. They are. And Notre Dame's defensive offensive line has not really played well against big guys. So this is a chance for a little bit of redemption to show sure. something. If you can come out and – you know, be physical against this group and get movement and and open up run lanes and those kind of things. And I'll feel a lot better about that. This line truly has turned a corner, you know, because the last three defensive lines you've faced are undersized and not very good. This defensive line's not real good based on how they're used, but they are big and physical. They're big. Yeah, they're big. And, and that's physical. the thing that I want to see. And so that's what that's one matchup that I'm looking forward to. to well, I will. This team is. I will echo yours uh, and go to mine that had to do with the offensive line. And I wrote down Lug and Alt versus the Edge slash Alonzo. So mm-hmm. you you and I were right on the same page on that one. Um, I'm not as worried about the middle because they do run they do, they run an odd front most of the time, and when that happens, you get a lot of double teams on that nose. And I feel like that plays into the hands of where Notre Dame is actually good mm-hmm. in the run game. Uh, now if they yeah. start. If they start doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but I don't see them doing that with that big line up front. Yeah. They don't. They're more muscle at you, yeah. power stuff, and I feel like that actually plays into the hand of Kane Madden and, and yeah. how they want to play. You know, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm more concerned about whether or not they're able to get off those double teams to yeah. the crashing linebackers sure. than I am about the nose. Right, it's it, more it, the two edge, the two yep. big, and the, you call them edge, but you know the. Right. right, the two ends. They're named defensive ends. Yeah, but they're five techniques for the most part. But right. yeah, that, that's right. that. That's what I had as well. So uh, we are on the same page on that one. Um, so would you like to go again, or you want you want yeah, to snake I, it? Yeah, I mean we, we do whatever you want, but I'll go. So since you already offered it to me, I will take full advantage of that. Man, right I, I think you know we talked a lot about Virginia's matchup with their tight ends, and 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 again, I don't even know what the. the what I I tell you what Virginia has the best name for a position ever. Oh, yeah. So if you look at if you look at how they list Katuan Thompson on the depth chart. Now just a little background. Katuan Thompson actually was a quarterback recruit. Notre Dame actually looked at him for a little bit. He was more of a running quarterback. He didn't really fit their style. Went to Mississippi State, and he's clearly not a you know quarterback at this point in time. So. Uh, you know, for me, I look at the kid and say, oh, he's just an athlete. Well, his position is FBP. And I didn't know what the heck that meant. And what it means is football player. I love it. And I'm like, it's because it's so appropriate. They'll use him as like lined up in the backfield. They'll put him in like a wing position as a lead blocker. They'll put him in the slot. They'll put him at like sort of a tight end position. They'll line him up as the X or the W. I mean, he literally lines up all over. Uh, and you know he's six four two ten. Jelani Woods is six seven two sixty five. They're going to use those guys. Which you know sure. what? Neither of them are still the best player, the the best tight end on the field. The best tight end on the field is still the kid that plays for Notre Dame. No question. And Notre Dame is, staff has not done a good job of. They're basically allowing teams to take Michael Mayer out of the game. 
with you know hey well you know what they're just they're just you know they're doing this to michael and they're not going to let him play and 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 he you know he's not gonna he's just not gonna you know do this that and the other and i'm i'm looking at michael mayer the last three games five catches for 54 yards four for yeah. 51 four for 28 he hasn't caught he hasn't caught a touchdown pass since the freaking toledo game hey notre dame you want to know why your red zone offense sucks because you yeah. don't make michael mayer part of it exactly right he hasn't caught a touchdown pass since the since september 11th right we're two months since michael mayer's called touchdown pass this isn't a michael mayer problem okay and so I want to see the Notre Dame staff use the same creativity that the Virginia staff does to make sure that Michael Mayer is making plays because if they use him correctly, Michael Mayer can go off yeah, in this game because their safeties and their outside linebackers and inside, there's not a dude that they're going to put on the field on Saturday that can play with Michael Mayer. Right. And, and if Notre Dame, again, you can't just line them up the same ways you always have because they will have a game plan for him. You have to get creative with how you use Michael Mayer. And if they can do that and be willing to attack the seams and get him on backside seams, front side seams, get him on deep, deep crossing routes, you know, drags, things like that, then those are things that I believe that you can do to really get him going. And if you can get Michael Mayer going early, maybe it's a situation like a lot of his production comes in the first half. And then they've got to go in and, you know, and kind of start it all over and have to, hey, we got to do this, this, and this. And then they can take him out in the second half. But they're but you've got but the reason I say it's important to move him all around is because then they have to spend more time figuring how to defend him, which then yeah. leaves you with some other opportunities outside. It gives you some matchup opportunities with your other receivers. And so to me, that's why it's so important to to be creative with how you use him. Mm-hmm. And if you use that and you take advantage of the fact that you have a significant matchup advantage with him against anybody they're going to match him up against, so don't let them game plan him out of the game, then then you're going to have success. And then that opens up opportunities for Lorenzo Styles and Kevin Austin sure. and Bray sure. Lindsey and Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree of the backfield. So to me, those that's, a, that's the biggest matchup for Notre Dame is how you use him is going to determine how you're able to take advantage of some of those other matchups, in my opinion. It's funny that you should mention some of those other matchups because I had uh, Lorenzo Styles versus question mark. So basically, which of the six guys that they continually drop into coverage is going to cover Lorenzo Styles? But more so that I'm not worried about who they put on Lorenzo Styles. What I'm and and I'm not even worried about it. I'm interested to see how he does with the increased workload. Right with Avery Davis going out. It's basically, I mean, what was it? Avery Davis had 44 snaps and and uh, Lorenzo Styles had like 14. And that's going to get flipped on its head, obviously, because Davis is out. So what? how does Lorenzo Styles do, you know, in, in his first extended playing time for Notre Dame? And what does it look like with him in the slot? I think they can do all kinds of fun stuff with him. And I feel like this is the perfect game for him to get that opportunity because of the way this defense plays, uh, I think he's going to get he's going to be open and he's going to get opportunity to, to with the ball in space. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see 21 with the ball in space uh, against this defense. I think this could be a little bit of a coming out party for him. And I realize he's had some 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 electric plays and he's done some great things. I, I think this could really be something fun to watch with Lorenzo style. So he's going to be somebody I'll be keeping my eye on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting one. And how yeah. Notre Dame uses him. See, so much of this, the reason I don't really have any other matchups, Vince, is because, as I said before, there's really nobody that concerns me. 
you know, yeah. even USC's bad defense, there's a, you know, they had a couple good corners and you know, North Carolina had some good corners, even though Kyler McMichael ended up not playing that game. You know, Tony Grimes is talent. This team just does not have any talent on defense in the, in the back, in the back eight. Gotcha. Noah Taylor two years ago, I liked a lot. Joey Blunt two years ago, I liked a lot. Neither of those right. guys are worth a darn <laughs> right now because I think right. part of it is because how they're being used. But, you know, to me, it's it's just about, look, you've got playmakers, and, and we'll get into right. this in your keys to the game, and that's why right, I'm going right. to focus more on the offense yeah. when it comes to the keys to the game than matchups mm-hmm. because there's nowhere where Virginia has a better a matchup over you outside of Mandy Alonzo. Right? Well, that's that, it. Yeah, it, the only other key that I had, or the uh, the matchup that I had, and it, it's, it's it's it sounds a little ridiculous, but I'm dead serious. It's the offense versus themselves. This this no. is a game. This is a game where you should be effective in whatever it is that you want right. to do, but you have to do it at a high level. And the, I, I know that sounds silly, but there's nobody when when Notre Dame's offense is on the field, the only group of people that can stop Notre Dame's offense is Notre Dame's offense. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so they're kind of competing against right. themselves, in my opinion. Well, I mean, and I have that more as a key to the game than a match. That's fair. Yeah. You it, know, for me. Yeah. Yep. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking so keys of. to the game. Yeah, speaking of <laughs> keys to the game. Speaking of keys to the game, let's let's jump right into our keys to the game. Uh, let, we're we're going to snake it. We're going to go offense first with our keys to the game, Brian. Okay. So uh, give me your first offensive key to victory for Notre Dame. Well, it's be aggressive. I mean, and that's the big thing is like what the, the, the you know, I see a lot of people saying this to me and, and it's the reason it concerns me is not that people say it because, you know, people say lots of things and there's all <laughs> lot tops of different Notre Dame fans with different opinions. And that's one of the things that makes this fun. Right. Yep. Uh, but my concern is this has kind of been Brian Kelly's MO in the past. And so to me, I feel like we're going to learn a little bit about Brian Kelly this weekend, too, because a lot of times when they play offenses like this, his go to has been, well, we're just going to, you know, control the clock and limit right. the position and, and all. I mean, not not just in the past. I mean, like past meaning the Rose Bowl like, last yeah, year. Right, you know? exactly. Uh, that concerns me. You're way better than they are on defense. You shouldn't be so afraid of their offense that you get away from what, who you are on Completely offense. Completely agree. Because the best defense against this offense is scoring points. That's right. The best assist you can give to your offense yeah. is not to slow the game down. Right. It's to go out and freaking score and yeah. score early and put them behind. And then you let and the so, defense just right. bend their ears back and go play. Right. So I want to yeah. see tempo. I want to see them taking shots. I want to see them aggressively attacking the perimeter. You know, use your weapons and all those type of things. Uh, to me, that's a that's a a big part of of 
what this game plan has to be for Notre Dame if they're going to be successful is you have to be aggressive. You have to take shots. You have to attack them because this defense is not – this is the the way they're playing right now. This is the worst defense they have. Mm-hmm. You need to go at it. And and that means using all your, all your arsenal and all right. your weapons, which I'll get into with some of my further points on this. Could not agree more. Um, I have execute written down. And what that means to me is you execute the offense at its highest optimal level, which means going tempo and all of those different things that you just outlined. So I'm not going to repeat everything that you just said, but that that's my number one. You, you have to execute. You have to yeah. execute and you have to do what you do to give your defense that assist. We talked about it yesterday uh, in the pod is that, look, this is an opportunity for the offense to put the game on their shoulders and the defense to, to, to let them Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, Hey, we're counting on you guys to go score so that we can do our thing on defense, go do your thing, score when you get the football. And then we're going to be nice and aggressive. We're going to do everything that we want to do defensively. So Mm -hmm. put this game on the offense. It's on them to score points and put this Mm -hmm. game away. That was my last point. Not that it's the least important. It's just sort of the culmination of all of it. I have play smart execute, you know, don't, Don't do stupid things, right? right? Like, you know, don't don't force a shot, right? If 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 Tommy Reese calls a shot and it's not there, don't be afraid to take the check down because those sometimes will end up being big plays for you. Don't make silly coaching mistakes, you know what I mean? Like don't don't put your team in a bad spot, but then the players have to execute it, right? And you can't go out there, you can't meet you can't have the stupid false starts that they've had to start drives, right? Like you can't have drop the drop passes you can't have the missed reads where you're you know ter- I, I remember one of the things that drove me nuts in the 2019 game and we saw it a little bit from jack cone last week uh but in 2019 i mean cole Komet should have had 12 catches for 250 yards in that game i mean he was right so often wide open down the middle of the field and and ian book just never looked at him you and that's what kept that game close until the defense took it over in the second half Jack Cohn made some similar mistakes last week. You can't do that this week. When it's open, right. you got to take those shots. You got to take those opportunities. Absolutely. I agree completely. Yep. Could not agree more. Because you can't afford to have like the sluggish starts like they had last week. Like, right. you know, oh, I was no. doing research this week, Vince. It is insane. Do you know how many points Notre Dame has scored in the first quarter this season in nine games? Do you know how many points they've scored in the entire first quarter all season? 14. Okay. Now you're just being absurd. 28. <laughs> 28. They've scored yeah. 28 points in the, fourth, in the whole first, first quarter of the season. Man. Yeah, they haven't scored a uh, – I was looking at it earlier. They haven't scored a – they've scored once in the first quarter, I think. Uh, I think North Carolina they in scored. In the second half? First, no, first quarter. They scored uh, – I think they scored a touchdown against North Carolina in the first quarter. Before that, they hadn't scored a first a, a touchdown in the first quarter since like, September. Yeah, that's what I'm saying in the second half of the season. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's they they can't afford to do that against Virginia right. because against Agreed. this offense, you could find yourself down 10 points before you finally figure out it's time to play football. Right. And so whatever they've been doing on the script in the past, they need to make sure that it's it's working and it's getting them points early in the game. They've got to turn that around big time. Absolutely. Uh, my I think my last key is going to be they at the very least, they need a stalemate up front. Mm-hmm. They, they, they need to have a stalemate up front. And because if they if they can do that, if they can have a stalemate up front and then they're getting to the linebacker depth and just getting in the way, okay, Notre Dame can have a lot of success on the ground yeah. and they can have a lot of success with Jack Cohn getting rid of the ball. Right. So you've got to have at least a stalemate up front and you've got to get loose to those linebackers a little bit. 
Um, and 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 that's that's my key. I I, I it, it's kind of self-explanatory. We've talked about it a lot in the past, but this this offensive line just mm-hmm. you know all I need is a is a stalemate. That's all I need. Yep. And uh, real quick, just to further up on that twenty-eight points thing, fourteen of those points came in the first two games. So in the last seven games, the last seven games, Notre Dame has scored two touchdowns in the first half, first quarter. That's it. So um, that you know, we'll, we'll have to see them get better about that. But okay, my next two points kind of go together. Uh, it's be multiple and keep them guessing. This is not a good Virginia defense. Right. What you can't do is what you've done every week, which is allow teams to just kind of play base defense because you're just going to do your stuff. You've got to get creative. You've and and it because you're forced to now. You don't have Avery. Pardon me. You don't have any Avery, Avery Davis. You're down to basically four receivers right. you can use. You don't throw to your second tight end like ever. The only time they threw to their second tight end was when he replaced the first tight end, and he was then the first tight end, right? And that was George Takis against Virginia Tech when Michael Mayer couldn't play. You 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 know. And then my final point is is use your backs and your tight ends, right? Oh, yeah. So you got to beat multiple, be diverse. We had a super chat up here. Uh, we had a super chat up here from from Garth Cassidy. He said Brian and Vince, I have Michael Mayer playing the W this game, and Tack is playing tight end with the limited receivers. That is how I am rolling the rest of the season. Strongly disagree with that. Should, would I use Michael Mayer as the W at times? Yeah, absolutely. Would I would would I go twelve personnel and move those guys around? Yes, that is something to do. But if you just line up like that all the time, Garth, again, it's the same problem in a different form, right? The problem that Notre Dame has had is when their offense just kind of gets stale. It's just like, you're the W, you're the X, you're the Z, you're the Y, and we're just going to run our pass routes. That doesn't really work anymore. That makes it easy for teams to defend them. What good teams do is, you don't know where my bet, and we've we've explained this every time we've played a team with a good, you know, we've seen Notre Dame play a team with a good receiver is, you know, USC did a great job. Notre Dame tried to take Trey, take Drake London out of the game, but you never know where he's going to line up. Purdue did the same thing with David Bell. And you watch what David Bell's been doing to teams this year. I mean, it's like, look what he did to Michigan State. Look what he mm-hmm. did to every team he's played. It's because you never know where he's going to be. And you can't you can't just put Michael Mayer in the W because then they're going to take him out of the game. And that's been the problem. That's the reason Michael Mayer has not caught a touchdown since the second game of the season. It's the reason Michael Mayer, as talented as he is, hasn't been able to dominate games recently. It's not the injury. He's been athletically, you watch him the last couple of games, he's fine. Right. It's right. you're not doing enough to, right. to to creatively use him to exploit teams. That's the problem. Yeah. And and that's a coaching thing. They're not being creative. They're not being multiple. They're not being diverse. They're, you know, moving guys around. Hey, I don't know where Kyron Williams is going to line up on this play. Oh, shoot, right. they're in three packs this time. Oh, what what how the heck are we going to defend this? You know what I mean? Like, like literally just come out one series in 32 personnel, three backs, two tight ends, right? I mean, and put Mayer and Takis outside and put Tyree and Kyron in the slot and run read zone to Logan Diggs or RPO, you know, run inside yeah, zone creative. to Logan Diggs and that, then RPO the, the bubble screens off of. I mean, right. be just creative. do some things, you know, run some, you know, motion, do post-snap switches, do all that kind of stuff. Because when the few times Notre Dame has done that, gets guys open right I mean, every time I, i've had people ask me like how how do ohio state receivers get open that much how do alabama how does Devonte smith get that open well part of it is he's a great player right but he's not so great that he's getting open by 15 yards what what's going on well you'll watch alabama play 
there were so many times they would motion Devontae Smith in a stack formation and then release him out or release him in. And you just never knew, you, you know, you got to communicate. You're going to turn guys loose in that, in that instance. And so to me, that's just, I mean, if they're going to get to where they want to get to, right. Cause what's the whole point yeah. of this? You got to go out and dominate in a way that allows you to impress the playoff committee. Sure. You've got to be able to look back at yourself and say, when have we been at our best? When we've been in our best, we've done this and, and do it more. And sure. you know, if that, that's what they need to do. So, and we've seen them do it at times, they just got to, they got to, and look, people, you know, got to comment, you know, need to quit talking about what we're going to do. Okay. Then don't listen to the show. I mean, if you don't want us to talk about what we think they need to do, then what are you watching for? Right. right. But here's the point. We've seen Notre Dame this season slowly accept who they are. Yeah. But when they have certain accepted certain parts, it's worked out. They yes, started going right. tempo and worked out. Right. Now, within that tempo, they need to accept that there's some other things that they need to do to be better and then make that adjustment. That's part of being a good football team. Now, these last three games of the year, you know, then they need to say, okay, here's what we've been good at. We we, we can't just go out there. We don't have as many players um, to, to, to do all these things. So we got to get creative with the weapons we do have. And I'm yeah. hoping – because sometimes when you get in these situations, Tommy Reese is kind of back, you know, hey, I'm kind of backed into a corner. I don't have this. I don't have that. So, hey, you know what? Let's go have some fun with it. Or he's going to get real conservative and be like, gee, I don't have this. And you start right. making excuses about what you don't have. And so then I just, I kind of got to, we just got to do this, this, you know, hey, look, man, this is, we're in a unique situation where we have no choice but to play three running backs. So let's have some fun with it. Right. Hey, we got to exactly. play 12 personnel more. So let's have some fun with it. You know, and 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 that's kind of that's kind of what I want to see. My from my, my my pushback to the to the twelve personnel going, you know, rolling with that the rest of the way. It's a real simple response for me. Do I want George Takis on the field, or do I want Lorenzo Styles on the field, or or that? Oh, you know, Ty, or, or Chris Tyree, or yeah, Logan or, Diggs, or, or another back. And, yes. And again, and and look, and Vince is a you know, Vince has been a very big pro. George Takis guy. It's not For about sure. George Takis. It's no. about they don't use George Takis. Correct. If you're going to go exactly. 12 personnel and that's what you want to roll with, like to Garth's point, and, and Garth says, you know, appreciate the other super second super chat, Garth. I appreciate yeah, it man. very, very much. Thank you. Because you're talking like an experienced play caller. I love Tommy Reese, but he's so pro style. He has no imagination like you. I think he does. I just think it's one thing for me to sit here on a YouTube channel and talk about all those things. And it's another thing to sit down and game plan it and install it and teach it and practice it and yeah. do all those kind of things. When you have a head coach breathing down your neck, who wants things done a certain way? Right. Right. Because right. here's right. the thing. I'm my own boss. I can talk right. about whatever the heck I want to talk about. whatever you want. Whatever the heck I want to do. Right. Right. Tom Reese is not his own boss. Tom Reese has a guy who's very much you know, looking over his shoulder about what they are or are not going to do. So it's a, it's a different thing. And that's why I haven't been as critical of Tommy Reese as maybe some people think I should be, because I don't think this is all on Tommy Reese. I think, cause, cause again, the issues we're having now were issues before Tommy Reese was the offensive coordinator. This is not new right? Uh, to what we're discussing. And in exactly. fact, in some ways, Tommy Reese has taken the offense, just like Chip Long took the offense forward in some ways, Tommy Reese is taking it forward in some ways with the tempo and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you can, when you listen to Brian Kelly talk about tempo, you can tell that this is something that, that they had been talking to him about before that he finally gave into. 
Mm-hmm. And then he talks about, like, wow, this is a, new, a cool new thing. I, I guarantee you, Tommy, this isn't new to Tommy Reese, and this has been something he's been pushing for. So that's kind of my whole point is it's easy to just blame Tommy Reese. But in this instance, I don't I don't blame Tommy Reese the way that I do. Maybe sure. maybe people think I should because I, I don't think it's just about him. But now it's kind of like, hey, coach, this is what we got to do, you know, um, and you just got to go out and do it. And sometimes you just got to do it and then say, hey, coach, you know, it's like sometimes it's better to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like sometimes that's kind of what what I think they need to be. So that's that's kind of my final key to the game, Vince, is is just be multiple, use all your weapons, spread the ball around, but be aggressive attack. And as you said, you got to execute. I've got one more key to the game, and mm-hmm. it's very John Madden-like, and so I apologize in advance. But I, I literally wrote down score with an exclamation point. And I and I know that sounds so simple. Like, that's such a simple key. But th- they need to score right. when they have the opportunity to score. Put it in yeah. the end zone. You know what I mean? And, like, it's, and it's a byproduct of all those yes, other things. Right? Absolutely. All those yes. things lead to the yeah. fact that you got to score. Absolutely. Yes. There's no reason you can't score against this defense. You have to put up points against mm-hmm. this defense. Yep defensively this is where it gets a little bit more interesting obviously for notre dame in this matchup what is your first key to victory for the notre dame defense they kind of go hand in hand vince my first couple and the one and the one is you've got to mix up your looks and be multiple and and but at the same time you've got to be aggressive you know you've you've got to you know look i'm i'm not i've said it a million times i'm not opposed to isaiah foskey playing off the ball but not playing off the ball and dropping in the coverage a bunch bring them off the guard, bring them off the other edge, put them on. I mean, do, when you do that, when you allow Isaiah to attack, I don't care where he line them up. Isaiah sure. can attack from anywhere. He can attack from the guard. He can attack from mm-hmm. off the ball. Just let him attack, but mix up your looks, you know? And then, and then here's the thing is then when you do occasionally drop him, like if he's just bashing the, the Virginia line, the whole first quarter, I mean, just, and he's got two, three quarterback hits on Brennan Armstrong. When Brendan Armstrong sees him on the wake side, he's like, dude, I'm just throwing this hitch route because I don't want to get hit by this guy again. And then that's the one time you do drop him into coverage, and then, bam, he throws it right to a guy. Because if you look at Brendan Armstrong, several of his interceptions have been just hitting a dude right in the chest yeah, because he doesn't see the guy drop underneath the coverage because he kind of locks in and he'll he'll make that throw. And so if you can kind of bait him into some of those throws, you can pick him off. You can force him into mistakes. I mean, he did that against BYU. He just didn't see the guy. Just hit him right in the chest. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the more you attack with Isaiah, the more impactful he can maybe be with some of those occasional drops, right? Because it becomes a rarity. Like, oh, I wasn't expecting. He's been kicking my butt the whole first quarter. I wasn't right. thinking he's going to drop. A perfect example is, I mean, and you see the great the great ones do it. I remember the, the, the I think it was the 2015 AFC Championship, and Von Miller's just pass rushing and pass rushing. And then New England's driving, and they dropped Von Miller into coverage. Tom Brady never saw him, and, and he throws an outcut, and Von Miller picks it off, right? I mean, how does Tom Brady not see Von Miller in coverage? Because right. you're not expecting it. And so that's kind of my thing. But be, but also, but be aggressive. Attack, attack with your front. You, the thing is, your front is so good, and their fronts, their blockers aren't good enough. You don't got to bring five, six, seven guys. You just got to turn your front four loose. Yep. And that, so those are those are keys to me. And then my final key, Vince, tackle, and and li, li, no mistakes. Right. You you can't you you got to make Virginia earn every yard and every point they get. No blown coverages. No, you've got a guy tackled for a three yard loss and you miss him and it becomes a fifteen yard game. 
you got to play clean football. If you play clean mm-hmm. football, you'll be able to make enough plays to, to keep them in check. And that's going to be a big key for me. All right. Since you just rolled through all of yours, I'll roll through all of mine. I uh, just want to get to the predictions because I know you're on a little bit of a time limit. Totally so I wanna, get it. I want to. No, get I totally there. understand. I, I'm going to start kind of where you left off. I I have don't let them run. You got to tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't be so focused on Virginia's pass game that you just allow them to get chunk yards in the run game. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you you they don't run. They don't really want to run the ball. Okay. Based on their stats, that's not really something that they even want to do. But don't just put it on a silver platter mm-hmm. for them either, okay? So you have to at least shut down the run, and then you can worry about the, you know, worry about the pass game, and obviously mm-hmm. that's very important. But don't let them run. I said this earlier: you've got to contain and you've got to hit Armstrong. You got to hit him. You, you've got to make him, you know, maybe even regret playing this week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, you've got to hit him. You've got to keep him off balance. I would have said that anyway, even without the injury, mm-hmm. because he is so important to this offense. As I said, over 420 yards of offense are from him. Okay. He's very important to this offense. You want to make him uncomfortable. And now that he's not even going to be 100% healthy, make him even more uncomfortable. That's okay. This is football. It's okay to make him uncomfortable. And then my last one is you need to turn Virginia over. They are prone to the mistakes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, you know, Armstrong will throw an interception if he is not just sitting back there doing his thing. Uh, you have to turn them over, whether it's an interception, whether it's a strip, whatever the case may be, they are prone to the turnovers, and Notre Dame's really good at getting turnovers. So they Notre Dame needs to continue that, and they need to continue making Virginia vulnerable to turnovers. They've got to turn Virginia over. Give your offense a short field. Let them go down and put some points in the end zone. Yeah, they've turned it over 13 times this season. Right. They turned it over twice against North Carolina, twice against Wake Forest, three times against BYU. It's eight picks out of those yeah. 13, too. Yeah. So. And then the other game where they another game they turned it over twice was against Louisville, and they beat Louisville by one. That's it. Right. And Notre Dame's way better than Louisville. Absolutely. Got so, to turn yes. it over. Yep. Absolutely. They've lost five fumbles and thrown eight picks, so they'll turn it over in multiple ways. But it's you got to be aggressive and smart. Agree with you completely, Vince. Prediction time, Brian. That is where we are at. Um, I, I believe I go first when we do predictions, so I will go ahead. Well, there it is. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you've got Notre Dame getting the fifty burger. I like mm-hmm. that. I was real close. You got them scoring one more touchdown. BYU scored sixty freaking six points well, against this team. Okay, I, I mean, know that, but when I but Georgia my, Tech scored forty on this team. Look, okay? when I get my hopes up for what Notre Dame can do offensively, they generally let me down. They do. Okay? They, they do. So, and I'm fully expecting them to flip this number and score 25. I mean that, you know. But but you know they right they got to score. Right. But you they guys, you, you and I are only a touchdown different, right? I I think that they they should and they will get into the 40s. If they get into the 50s, will it surprise me? No, I said that yesterday. I would not be surprised. We got a lot of pushback when Sean said you put 50 on the board in the locker room. You said this is the goal. This is where we want to be. We want to yeah. be over 50 in the game. Yeah, it got a lot of pushback from you know everybody in the chat. But I, he's right. That's the goal, you know? And if you come up short and you hit 45, okay. I mm-hmm. still think you're going to win the ball game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, Notre Dame's going to give up some, give up a little bit defensively, and they're going to let, you know, Virginia into the end zone. Virginia's a good offense, and that's okay, right? But if you keep Virginia yeah. under 30, 
that's a win for Notre Dame. I said yeah. it yesterday. I'll say it again. You keep them under 30, I think Notre Dame wins this one. I want to respond to something real quick. Mike Gardner said BYU has 26-year-old grown men playing for him. You're correct. <laughs> they have 26-year-old grown men who had not scored more than 35 points in an entire game coming into that. Until okay? Virginia. Yeah. Yes, they scored 35 against South Florida. They scored 34 against Utah State. You know, they scored 21 <laughs> points against Washington State the week oh. before. Washington State. Okay, Washington right. State. To me, the key to this game is the first quarter. And and if Notre Dame doesn't come out just smoking in the first quarter, then this is not going to have any chance of happening. This is me kind of going with a best-case scenario in that I actually see this score, that score, that score right there. <laughs> I see that score, but Virginia scoring last. Like, I think, I think this game should be pure domination because – Virginia's a bit of a wounded team. Uh, I think that that Notre Dame is going to finally defensively say, okay, let's attack. Let's not let them just go up and down the field. Let's attack. Let's get back to the team that was forcing turnovers early in the year. And offensively, I think Tom Reese is going to come out. And, and as I'm as we're talking, Vince, why don't you go through and yep, I'm throwing them up. Kind of throw those up. Uh, I think for, I think the offense is going to finally come out and say, okay, it's time to get this thing going. Right. I, I think this team realizes that, hey, we 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 want to. I think this team wants. I think these players want a shot at redemption. I think they want to. They believe they're a playoff team, and they know to get there, they got to come out and whoop some people. I think Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner combination is going to be lethal. I think that we're going to see Michael Mayer. I think I'm just I'm I'm hopeful. This is more me hoping than yeah. me predicting. Uh, I'm hoping that they come out and use Michael Mayer. I'm hoping that they mix things up. I'm hoping that Kevin Austin last week is a breakout in the beginning of things to come. I'm hoping that they, now that Chris Tyree is back and healthy and, uh, and, and, and good to go, that you use all those players correctly. And I'm hoping that Tommy Reese is aggressive. That's what I want to see because uh, if this team plays to its potential, Vince, um, then, then this is the kind of thing that should happen. And, you know, I, that's what I want to see. But it's it's got to be about trust your players. That's the biggest right. thing. My biggest advice to Marcus Freeman and Tom Reese, trust your players. And then you're game, and then be aggressive. If you trust your players, you're going to be aggressive. Coaches that trust their players attack. I've always felt that. Coaches that kind of play ball control and do some of these conservative things, it's because you don't trust your players. Okay? Yeah. Trust your players. And, and then protect them where you need to protect them but trust them and let them go out and attack. And if you do that, I think Notre Dame can and should get the kind of impressive victory that they need. That that's that's how I see this one going. But it's going to have to be. You're, we're going to know. We're going to know after the first 15 minutes if Notre Dame is just going to keep doing what they've been doing, or if they're going to come out and and uh, and do that. I like that. If the Irish yeah. score 50 or more, buying a hat from IB. I mean, I can't believe I got to bribe you <laughs> into Notre Dame scoring 50 by hat, Mike. Come on, man. Those hats are sweet. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I'm going to hold you to that. Vince, put that back up. I'm taking a screenshot of this bad boy. <laughs> All right. So I got a screenshot now of See, it's done. Mike Gardner. So it is now saved and you can't escape it, Mike. <laughs> so, but I appreciate you, Mike. Mike's That's been awesome. in, our, in our shows a long time. So I appreciate that. Uh, I should say you have to buy 26 hats since you know your little 26 year old comment about BYU. So, um, <laughs> This is the strangest comment I've seen. I just want a good close game. Why the heck would you want a close game? game? At all. I don't want a close game at all. I want a blowout. Nope. I want this so, thing to be over. 
I just, yeah, I want this to be, like I want no, early, look, over we, early. there was a, a really good conversation on our message board where the question was, when was the last time Notre Dame played a complete game? And the, the consensus was, you know, I think North Carolina last year is probably the closest we've seen, but normally Notre Dame gets at least one complete game a year, at least one and usually two. And as I look back, I'm like, they haven't played, they haven't had that game this year. They're due to kind of have that game where just it all yeah. clicks. Right. Absolutely. And and this is the perfect game for that. Will this be the game? I don't know. If it's I a would, good game if for I, if it, I knew though, that man. and I was a crystal ball and I knew exactly what was going to happen, I'd have a lot more money than I have now because Darn I'd be right. a gambler and I would be winning a lot. So yeah, no kidding. But that's my prediction, Vince. I, I think this is the game Notre Dame kind of puts it all together. I don't think Love it's it. even going to be as close as that final score. I think that Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati. Yeah, you can tell who I want to rematch against. You can. Yeah, I think right. Virginia is going to score last, and I think the front four is going to dominate. I think that the offense is going to finally open up and explode, uh, and it's going to get Brian, get, uh, get Brian Kelly to realize, hey, we can be this kind of offense and right. let's really turn it loose the rest of the season. That's okay. more wishful thinking than it is a prediction, wow. if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, we can all we can all dream. <laughs> <laughs> we can all dream. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's it. That's going to be it for today's show. Everybody uh, appreciate it. We are, we're going to have our mailbag tomorrow. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, leave us a five-star review, sign up for the message board, Boom. get your discount on built bars, all that good stuff. Uh, Vince and I are going to have a, a conversation about, uh, we may do something different for next week's mailbag. So you may keep your eye on that, but Vince are going to talk about that. But tomorrow's mailbag is going to be just like normal. We'll have, we're going to have a post-game show on Saturday. Vince, will you be at the post-game show on Saturday? Will you be yes. part of the post-game show? this Saturday, yeah. We'll have a post-game show this yep. Saturday after the Virginia game. So that's why you need to hit the notification bell so then you know when we're going to go live. And, of course, Sunday night we'll have our upon further review. So thanks, everybody, so much for being uh, with us tonight, today. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for the good wishes. I uh, promise you I won't be eating any Chinese food for any time soon. So uh, not going to be doing that anymore because I uh, um, that wasn't fun. But I'm back. I'm good to go. appreciate everybody back. checking in on me. Uh, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com